0: Again, good morning. It is great to see all of you and we do welcome our visitors and uh, thrilled that you're here with us and hope that you feel uh, right, right at home. It's August and the temperature reminds us, but I can't believe it's August and we've been, Tucker and I have been preaching through a series of lessons on foundations of faith. Uh, Just to remind you, no structure is stronger than, than its foundation. No organization is stronger than its foundation. The church is only as strong as her foundation. That's why Jesus said to Peter after he made the great confession that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. Jesus said to him, I say to you, you are Peter and on this rock, the rock of that confession, I will build my church. Jesus is that solid foundation. And what we've been studying are foundations of faith that grow out of that foundation of Jesus. Here's a quote from the very first lesson that Tucker preached on on this series. The fundamentals of the faith are the defining beliefs that make Christians Christian. The beliefs that if we were to set aside, we would no longer be recognizably Christian. And Scott Adair has identified seven of those foundational doctrines, foundations of faith, and you see them uh, listed before you. Jesus is Lord. There's one God. Jesus, death, burial, and resurrection. The church is the bride of Christ. Forgiveness of sins through Jesus. Receiving the Holy Spirit. and, And today we'll study the hope of resurrection through Jesus. These are doctrines that make Christianity Christian. Remove these and you remove the essence of what Christianity is all about. How is it that the hope of the resurrection through Jesus, how does it fit in? How is it so foundational? Stafford North wrote these words. Only the Christian religion comes to the world saying the master we serve is divine. He lived in heaven... He came to earth to to die as a sinless sacrifice for those who have sinned. He was buried in a new tomb. On the 3rd day, he was raised from the dead, never to die again, and he was and he has gone to prepare a place where all of us can live after we like him are raised from the dead. Stafford North is is stating again what separates Christianity from other religions. And it all revolves around Jesus. Who He is and what He did for us. How He died and was buried, but then He rose again. And what does that mean to you and and to me today? What's the relevance to you and to me today? That Jesus died over 2,000 years ago, was buried and, and rose again. Well, let's go to... The great resurrection chapter, let's revisit that chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I want to look at verses 12 through 20 with you uh, this morning. You see the Apostle Paul in, in speaking about the importance of the resurrection and how it is the foundation of our faith. He, he discusses, well, what if Christ is not raised? Then what are the consequences? And let's look at this uh, section of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 15 as he answers that question. Number one, if well, verse 13 says, But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, number one, the apostles' preaching is empty. The apostles' preaching is empty or futile or vain or meaningless. The apostles preached. You look at the book of Acts, and some of us are studying the book of Acts in our Sunday school classes. And I believe you'll find in every sermon that's preached in the book of Acts that the resurrection of Jesus is a dominant theme. Here are these apostles, eyewitnesses of Jesus' resurrection our witnesses of the risen Lord, and they're going around risking their lives preaching the good news that, yes, Jesus died for our sins. He was buried, but that He rose again. And even though they would be persecuted for preaching the resurrection of Jesus, it was news that was too good to keep. It was a dominant theme of their preaching. But if Christ is not risen then their preaching is empty, it's vain, it's meaningless. Number two, our faith is also empty, vain, meaningless, useless. Per verse 14, if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Your faith in God, your faith in Jesus, that He's the Son of God, is meaningless without the resurrection of Jesus. Number three. If Christ is not risen, the apostles are false witnesses. Verse 15, Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ whom He did not raise up if, in fact, the dead do not rise. Again, it was a core part of their preaching, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And the apostle Paul says, If Christ is not risen, then the apostles are liars. They are false witnesses. And number five, or four rather, we are still in our sins if Christ is not risen. If the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. If Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. If Christ is not risen, we cannot have forgiveness of sins. Therefore, we are lost. That's how important it is that Christ is risen. Number five, our loved ones in Christ have perished if Christ is not risen. Then also those who have fallen asleep or died in Christ have perished. If Christ is not risen, folks, then our loved ones are gone and we'll never see them again. Again, Paul is stating negatively the impact if Christ is not risen then this is the result these are the consequences if Christ is not risen finally if Christ is not risen followers of Christ are to be pitied are to be pitied if in this life we if in this life only we have hope in Christ we are of all men the most pitiable if we believed and put all of our hope in Jesus, his death, burial, and the fact that he was raised again. And if Christ is not risen, then we believed a lie. And we are to be pitied. But here's the good news, verse 20. But Christ is, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And as you have read with me, we've read simply what the inspired apostle Paul says are the consequences if Christ is not risen. And he stated them in a negative way. But watch what happens when we take those negative statements and we make them positive. Paul is affirming these things while saying if Christ is not risen, then these are the negative consequences. But if you look at the positive way of saying these things, look at the blessings that come from the fact that Jesus is raised from the dead. That he is alive today. So watch how we, the blessing, six gifts of the resurrection we could call this. Looking at these negative statements but making turning them into positive. For example, since Christ is risen, what do we have? We have forgiveness of sins through Jesus. Negatively stated, Paul says, if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. But since Christ is risen, we have forgiveness of sins through Him. And we start with this one, not going in the same order Paul does, because if we don't have the forgiveness of sins, we can't have all these other blessings that come because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. If God holds our sins against us, and we all have sinned, then there is no hope of anything else from God. This is the foundation for every other blessing from God, that God will forgive us through Christ. Everything hangs on God's forgiveness. After all, isn't that the way Paul began this great chapter on the resurrection? Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, and by which you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Then he talks about the fundamental facts of the gospel. For I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. The death, burial, and the resurrection is the key to our salvation. That's how Christ accomplished our salvation. Through his death on the cross for our sins. Being buried, but also being raised from the grave. But yet we know that the scriptures teach it's only because Christ died on the cross for our sins that we can be saved. What does the resurrection have to do with it? Again, Paul says if Christ is not raised, we're still in our sins. So the resurrection is fundamental. It's essential to the gospel message. How so? What's what's the connection? Jesus' resurrection from the dead is proof that Jesus is who he claimed to be. He was declared to be the Son of God with power through the resurrection, Romans 1 and verse 4. As long as Jesus lay in the tomb, he was just another tragic religious figure who suffered a martyr's death. But when God raised Jesus from the dead, it was his stamp of paid in full on the invoice of our sin debt. Now Christians can be certain that in Christ they are justified. Jesus' resurrection from the dead was saying God accepted his sacrifice on our behalf. And demonstrated that by raising Jesus from the dead. Paul said it like this, He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. So how important is the resurrection? What are the blessings that come because Jesus rose from the dead? We have forgiveness of sins through Jesus. And that is what opens up the door to every other spiritual blessing that comes through Jesus. Number two, since Jesus was rose from the dead, the Christian message is vital. Negatively stating it, Paul said, If Christ is not risen, your faith, our preaching is empty, vain, useless, meaningless if Christ is not raised. So you turn it around and state it in a positive way. What is the message? Since Christ is raised from the dead, the Christian message is vital. You see, if Christ is not risen, then the gospel is powerless. Romans 1.16, you know this, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of Christ unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And we know that the gospel is the dunamis, the, the dynamite. It's the power to save. But folks, if Christ was, remained in the grave, even the gospel is powerless. But since Christ rose from the dead by the power of God, that empowered the gospel message, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And it makes this Christian message vital, meaningful, significant. Life-giving. Number three, since Christ is raised from the dead, our faith is well-founded. Instead of being empty as Paul describes it, if Christ is not risen, our faith is well-founded since Christ is risen. How so? For one reason, we have Old Testament prophecies that predicted not only Jesus' death, but also his burial and resurrection. When Jesus was raised from the dead, those prophecies were fulfilled. And for those Jews who had studied the Old Testament prophets and were looking for the Messiah, this would be cues to them. In fact, this would be overwhelming evidence to them if they had a heart to understand and a heart to believe that this Jesus is the Messiah because he fulfilled those Old Testament prophecies. But also Jesus told his disciples time and time again what he was going to do, what was going to happen to him in Jerusalem. Let me note three examples with you. Mark 8, Mark 9, and Mark 10. Mark 8, verse 31, we find these words. Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days, rise again. You and I know the rest of the story, right? We know what Jesus is saying is going to happen. But for because they had preconceived ideas of what the Messiah was going to do, they missed it, didn't they? They missed it. When Jesus was crucified, the disciples were scattered. They were, they were defeated. They thought, it's over until Jesus rose from the grave, and then they were convicted that it had only begun. But Jesus told them time and time again. Mark 9 is another example. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, he tells his disciples, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles." And they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. Could Jesus have been any more plain as to what was going to happen? But still they're surprised, they're dismayed when all of these things do come to pass. We come to Mark chapter 10. Actually, I just read Mark chapter chapter 10. But... Again, Mark 8, Mark 9, Mark 10, three predictions clear about Jesus, what what he was telling his disciples, what he was about to undergo in Jerusalem. And it wouldn't be until after he was raised from the dead that they'd be able to say that's exactly what he told us would happen. So what did his resurrection do? It confirmed the Old Testament prophecies. It also confirmed what Jesus had predicted. And it again showed His his divinity and His power and that He can be trusted. That He can be trusted. And that our faith in Him is well founded. Since Jesus is raised, here's another blessing. The Christian message is true. The Christian message is true. Yes, and we are all found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. So negatively speaking, Paul says if Christ is not raised, we've been found false witnesses. But since Christ is raised from the dead, our testimony is true. It's reliable. It can be trusted. And in a day today in which there many espouse the idea that there's no such thing as absolute truth, here comes the message of the gospel. And it's accentuated, it's affirmed by the resurrection of Jesus. Since Jesus is raised from the dead, the Christian message is true, is true. It's absolutely true. It can be believed. It can be embraced. It can be stood upon. It can be our part of our foundation. Another blessing. Since Jesus is raised from the dead, Christians are enviable. Not pitible, pitiable, but enviable. If Christ is not risen, Paul says, then we are of all men are the most pitiable. Because we believed a lie. But since Christ is raised, Christians are to be envied. It reminded me of a statement that I read by an atheist. What I envy most about you Christians is your forgiveness. I have nobody to forgive me. Christians do, don't we? We have a God who forgives but a just God who paid for the price of our sins with the blood of His own Son, Jesus. Who died for our sins, was buried, but He also rose again. And because Jesus is risen, we are to be envied. You see, each and every person in the world wants to know that his or her life is not being wasted that each of our lives has meaning and is is valuable, is, is worth something. And Paul knows this, and it's interesting that he closes out by inspiration this chapter, although men added the chapters and verses. Look at verse 58. Therefore, based upon everything that he has said about the resurrection of Jesus and what that means to us, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You see, the resurrection gives us hope. It gives us something, a truth to stand upon. It, and it tells us that, that surrendering our lives to Christ and living for Him and and uh, just embracing Him as our Savior and as our Lord and serving Him for the rest of our lives is not in vain. It is not in vain. But it will be rewarded. The last blessing I'll highlight is this. Because Christ is raised from the dead, the dead will be resurrected. If Christ is not risen again, spoken negatively, Paul says, then those who have fallen asleep, those who have died in Christ, have perished and will never see them again. But since Christ is risen, the whole picture changes. I read uh, last night about a woman, and I won't be able to recall her name, but a woman who received a call during Desert Storm that her son, a soldier who was serving there, had stepped on a landmine and it had killed him. So she was in the depths of grief. Three days later, she got a phone call. And it was the voice of her son who had not been killed, but was alive and well. Can you imagine the dichotomy there? Can you imagine the contrast? Hearing that her son had been killed, but hearing his voice and him saying, Mom, I'm alive. That's the difference. And Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and being buried with Jesus dying on the cross, being buried and being raised from the grave. And what that means to you and to me is that the dead will be resurrected. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And I'll remind you of the biblical background of first fruits was when the people under the law of Moses, they were to bring the first fruits of their crops as, as an offering to God. It was the first fruits. It was the first of more to come. And so the, Paul is using this imagery, the Spirit guiding him to do so, and saying Jesus is the first of many more to be raised. But His resurrection guarantees us of our own. Jesus said this, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear His voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. But make no mistake, because Jesus rose from the grave, all will be raised from the grave. For many, death is is a hopeless end. But folks, for Christians... Because Christ was raised from the dead, we have an endless hope. We have an endless hope. And what does that mean? It means that death does not have the final word. Death does not have the final word. Job asks a question, Job 14, 14. If a man dies, will he live again? And the answer, because Jesus was raised from the dead, is a resounding yes. Because Jesus' resurrection guarantees us of our own. So that means death does not have the final word for the child of God. And it also means that there will be a great reunion one day. Contrast that. If Christ is not raised, then the dead who are asleep in Jesus have perished. But since Christ is raised, that means they will not perish. And there will be a great reunion. Paul would tell some confused Christians this truth with these words. I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, those who have died. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. We, and I love to emphasize that we, we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. And the reason that we're able to have comfort with those beautiful words is because Jesus died for our sins. He was buried, but the tomb couldn't hold him. He rose from the grave. And he lives even now. But now Christ is risen from the dead. And has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So a foundation of our faith is the hope of our resurrection because of Jesus. Peter echoed what Paul is is saying here with these words, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us to a living hope, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Peter is telling some suffering saints, you have a living hope, a living hope, because your Lord is living. The tomb couldn't hold him. So you have that eternal living hope because of him and your faith in him. Do you have that hope this morning? That hope it belongs to those who acknowledge that Jesus is a son of God and they turn their lives to following him. And those, that will begin with repentance turning from doing it our way to following Him as a way of life. And it will continue. In fact, it's transitional when we are baptized into Christ. Our sins are washed away by His blood. We we embrace Him and we embrace those spiritual blessings that come through His atoning death, burial, and resurrection. It may be that one or more is ready to be baptized into Christ this morning as a penitent believer. And we hope and pray that if you've been studying and you're ready to do that, that you'll not wait another day. But obey the gospel so that you can embrace that hope as well. It may be that others of us desire the prayers of the church. It may be that we've wandered away. Or it may be that we have something weighing on our hearts that we need prayerful support. If that be the case If you're subject to the invitation of Jesus, please come right now as we stand and sing.